Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dersham and I bring you a very important show tonight because this is a show about our American system of justice. We are reminded every minute of every day regarding the election that in the words of Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over, or perhaps I should say it ain't over till it's litigated. That's right. We have moved, at least the president's lawyers have moved, from the situation room into the courtroom. And that is as it should be, given the widespread, maybe not instances of voter fraud, but the allegations. Remember, it's a conclusion to suggest either way. There either was fraud or there wasn't. There were mistakes made or there weren't. Dominion software either was working in the president's, uh, to the president's detriment or it wasn't. That's for the courts to decide and we wait. Here's the problem. Americans don't like to wait for anything, not in traffic, not in the line at the store, not for our order to arrive in a restaurant. Not that restaurants are open anymore, at least not the inside, but that's a whole nother story. We are an instant gratification society. So when it comes to thinking about how long a recount will take, whether it's in Pennsylvania or Georgia or Michigan or Wisconsin, we don't want to wait for that, but we must. And if the shoe was on the other foot, the Democrats would be asking us to wait also. In fact, in a sense, it's become less about the president and more about precedent, setting precedent for voting in the future. I mean, let's face it, this was not, this election certainly was not an exercise in best practices and balloting, quite the contrary. And that's because the system was overwhelmed by mail-in ballots something we didn't anticipate, something many people hadn't done before, something many people chose to do due to COVID. So it wasn't just the usual categories of voters that chose to vote by mail. It was many voters that would have rather have been at the polls. So that complicated and overwhelmed the system to an extent. Now, here's the other side of all of this, because as a lawyer, we always like to give you both sides. So obviously, voting fraud has always been around. There will always be instances of voter fraud. There always has been, and there's nobody on the Democratic side who could say that's not true. The issue is, was there widespread fraud? Well, there doesn't need to be. And that allegation is probably not as credible as there may have been significant instances. That's what the lawyers are arguing. Significant fraud in places where a recount might matter. So that is what the lawyers are looking at because a count is only as good as the method of counting. So there's no sense in simply reading out numbers if there's no credibility, there's no foundation, there's no integrity in the way those votes were counted. So Larry, I know the president is not a lawyer, but he sure is a litigator. He's no stranger to lawsuits, suing and being sued. He's been doing that and experiencing that throughout his entire career. But what do we say to those naysayers that say, hey, we need evidence, not anecdotes? Right. Well, I just remind folks about what Stalin said. He said it doesn't matter who votes. It matters who counts the votes. That's a paraphrase, but that's pretty much exactly what he said. 
And just check out this, you know, voter fraud. Oh, let's see. Uh, the media is reporting uh, that there's no voter fraud. The New York Times says a torrent of falsehoods. CNN, baseless voter fraud claims. NPR, false claims of fraud. Rigged election. CBS, voter fraud complaint. It's garbage. And also, how about big tech? They continue censoring conservative voices. For example, Facebook banned 300,000 Stop the Steal group by claiming they were inciting violence. Twitter is censoring in real time the president of the United States himself whenever he makes a completely justifiable claim about election fraud. Facebook, Eventbrite, and MailChimp, program I use, Disallow advertising for a March for Trump in Washington today, which is taking place today. It may actually be over by now. That's right. And, and you know, there were also rallies even in our own community. And just, you know, as a lawyer, and I know a lot of our audience appreciates this, you don't have to have a law degree to appreciate that to say that a claim is baseless is stating a legal conclusion. That's not appropriate for the court of public opinion. That's for a court of law to decide. If If the GOP is alleging voter fraud, prove it. And that's what they're going to court to do. So when we look at the fact that this is becoming, in a sense, less about conflict and more about confidence, what the what the GOP was trying to do early on was to stop certification of counts that are not valid. Hence the hence asking for voter for audits for recounts. We just don't want any false or fraudulent results. But Larry, here's the question most people are asking, because the bottom line is, does it matter as a practical matter? Are the votes going to be there one way or another? The votes that were set aside, the ballots that were set aside at the direction of Justice Alito and at the direction of the Pennsylvania court just recently, have those been commingled? And if so, can we unscramble the eggs? Exactly. Uh, that's a huge thing going on in Pennsylvania right now. And you're going uh, to this uh, Dominion uh, voting system, which, by the way, a huge stakeholder uh, in that is Diane Feinstein's husband. And to me, that's a direct conflict of interest. The fact that Diane Feinstein's husband would have a huge share of interest in the vote counting machines. And even uh, Speaker Pelosi has an interest in the Dominion voting system. And again, that's a huge conflict of interest. Will it make a matter? I don't know, folks, but are we witnessing a cyber coup? Now, you might have heard of this thing. It's called the hammer. It was software designed to listen in undetected on to uh, foreign countries, what they're talking about. This was developed after 9-11, and it was developed by a gentleman by the name of Dennis Montgomery. He was a CIA contract worker. In addition to the hammer, they had something called scorecard, where we are able to go to foreign countries and manipulate the vote in foreign countries by no greater than 3%. You don't want to be 10% because that's too obvious. But this can have both of these been compromised. There's allegations that the Obama administration was able to get a hold of the hammer and scorecard and combine that with Dominion Voting System software. That could be in the millions. And again, if they can prove that, this is going to flip the election. But I don't don't know. You just nailed it, though, Larry. You said if they can prove that. Yes. And I know that there are lots of people that are listening and lots of people that have been following what's going on in the court of public opinion and just rolling their eyes and saying, no, it's all conspiracy. But it's not it's just context 
you know, when you and I weren't there and our listeners weren't there and the people that are pundits on the news media, they weren't there either. We are the court of public opinion. And what we're doing is citing circumstantial evidence. Like Joe Biden, after we all went to bed at, on election night, of course, I was up all night, you probably were too, but most people went to sleep at some point. And while they did, somehow those states totally flipped. They woke up in the morning and said, let's look at this circumstantial evidence. How could the president, for example, lose votes overnight in certain jurisdictions? How could so many ballots only have voted for Joe Biden and nobody else? How is it possible statistically that the president didn't receive a single vote in certain jurisdictions all overnight, all coming in at once? Exactly. Now, I don't know. I mean, you know, I saw that Twilight Zone episode, as did everybody else, where the guy flipped the coin and then it ends up kind of um, it, it doesn't end up heads or tails. It's, it ends up on its side. Okay, I've never seen that happen in real life, but maybe that can happen. So the bottom line is circumstantial evidence deserves an investigation. That is all the president's lawyers are doing because the word from the White House is that if in fact these lawsuits do not prove to be productive, they don't make a difference, the numbers are not there, then the president will concede and will facilitate a smooth transfer of power. But between now and then, I know, again, instant gratification. We don't want to wait, but patience is a virtue. Absolutely. And uh, talk about direct evidence. Here is some direct evidence. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, uh, who's the president's spokesperson, was on Sean Hannity's show, and she had 234 sworn affidavits. Here's just an example. This is just from Madison County, Wisconsin. Or excuse me, Wayne County, Wisconsin. I, I witnessed saw a batch of ballots, about 60% of them had the same signature on it. Uh, I witnessed saw a batch of ballots that was a batch of ballots that were scanned five times. You know, how big was that batch? Uh, 35 ballots counted were not conducted. Uh, connected to any voter records and so on and so on. And again, that may not be enough to flip the election, but if we do not have voter integrity in our election, we'll be like a third world country and nobody will trust the voting system again. And the Democrats and Republicans should be on board as one with this to get this fixed. Uh, and that's true because election integrity, that's always been a bipartisan value. And, you know, there, there really is a lot of uplifting news here. I know we're all about the silver lining, but I mean, think about this, Larry. We all woke up the day after Election Day living in the greatest nation in the world. Regardless of what ends up happening, we are Americans. We are all Americans. And sometimes I think we lose a little bit of sight of that when we get so in the weeds. I mean, we're passionate. We're we're. We're passionate partisans, we're passionate patriots, all of us. But it's also true that what we're seeing is the legal system play out these cases that are before it. And that's a beautiful thing, Larry. And the fact that you just cited all of this, all of this evidence, uh, you cited Kaylee McEnany and others that have actually come forward with specifics, that's exactly what the court system needs to have. And that's all we can do is show the courts all these specifics, have them argued by a very good team of lawyers, and then see what happens. We're still one nation under God, aren't we? Right. Yeah, we all are. Right. And we are going to continue this conversation on the other half of the break. When we do, we're actually going to be joined by one of our California assemblymen who has been very successful in some of his own legal challenges. And Larry and I always like uh, legal challenges and talking about what works and what doesn't work. Um, I'm going to leave you in a little bit of suspense as to who it is because I want you to stick with us through the break. But let's just say you will be glad you did. So don't push that radio preset, folks, if you still have one of those. You are going to hear more of, of today with Dr. Wendy right after the break. We're back in a flash. 
News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. Well, we have a very special guest with us tonight. We have a young and courageous state assembly member who took a stand against certain executive orders here in California. You know, anytime someone loses a court battle, we sing the classic rock hit, I fought the law and the law won. Now I can say that because Larry and I both play in rock bands, so we can all appreciate that. But I understand, Larry, we actually have somebody on the line who understands what it's like to be on the winning side of that type of battle. Who do we have? Right. Wendy, today I'd like to welcome to the show State Assemblyman Kevin Kiley. Kevin, who's from Rockland, California, was elected in 2016 to represent the 6th Assembly District, which includes Placer, Sacramento, and El Dorado counties. He received a bachelor's degree from Harvard, a law degree from Yale. Uh, Kevin was recently in the news when he successfully won a case against Governor Newsom, where the court held that Governor Newsom exceeded his authority with issuance of an emergency order requiring there be an all-mail-in ballot election on November 3rd. Now, although the legislature later passed the law requiring ballots to be mailed out to every registered voter, voter, the judge in that case said that she saw good cause to issue a permanent injunction enjoining Newsom from issuing any executive order under the Emergency Powers Act. And that was the act that he seems to be relying on. Any, uh, so he can't do that if it amends, alters, or changes existing statutory law or makes new statutory law or legislative policy. Welcome to the program, Kevin. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. Kevin, before we get into the heavy lifting and we sort of uh, break down the court case, the court fight with the governor, I understand that before you were a politician, you were actually a very successful basketball player who, I guess, at one point ended up on Nickelodeon after you and a partner won a national shooting competition so, sponsored <laughs> by the uh, the NBA. And there's one more thing that really jumped off the page of your resume out me. You were asked about hobbies, free time. I mean, who doesn't want to know what a politician does in their spare time? And you prefaced your answer with, I don't have any interesting hobbies, and then went on to talk about not only the gym, basketball, but that you enjoy reading popular science books on physics, psychology, and quantum mechanics. I'd say you're a pretty interesting guy, Kevin. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Well, that's that's very generous, but uh, you know, I uh, I should clarify. I was a pretty unsuccessful basketball player, actually. I never uh, even made my high school team, but I did. Uh, you know, they, during that interview with Cal Matters, they asked kind of what some of the people don't know about you. I was like, well, I did sort of have this, this amazing string of luck in this contest when I was a kid, when I was like fourteen or fifteen, and ended up going uh, all the way to the NBA finals for this Nickelodeon thing. Uh, well, and, uh, next time we have you on, Kevin. A total fluke and uh, not reflective of my uh, basketball abilities in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> as far as, you know, things like quantum mechanics. So uh, when I was, I, the interviewer asked, what are you reading right now? And I happened to be reading a book on that because it's something I didn't know anything about. So I, uh, I can't, and I still don't know a whole don't. lot about it. Uh, <laughs> but I do try to, you know, uh, learn things where I can. Okay, Kevin, going to that lawsuit that you were successful in winning, 
I understand the purpose of your lawsuit against Governor Newsom was to challenge his authority to order election officials to mail to all California voters ballots. Is that correct? Well, yes and no. That happened to be the particular uh, executive order that we challenged. But, you know, we could have just as easily picked any number of other ones. You know, when you go to court, you have to challenge one order at a time. But the important thing is we weren't just challenging that order. We were challenging his authority to issue orders like that. And so what we got out of this case, which became the final ruling yesterday, uh, is not only a declaration that that particular executive order was unconstitutional, but we got a permanent injunction. And what that does, as you mentioned at the top, uh, is it restrains the governor from issuing further unconstitutional orders that exercise autocratic powers like he's been doing. That is, you know, Kevin, one of the things that I think people are, are asking um, is, you know, does, a, does an executive order, does that have the force of law? That's been asked ever since March. And when the governor's asked this directly, he's always been, you know, very gracious about trying to say, well, look, you know, my hope is that people social police each other and that we don't need to ever get law enforcement involved. But what do you say about how suits like yours impact any limits that any governor might have on the power to legislate through executive order? Well, uh, you know, the, the, what you just said, legislate through executive order, that's the key term, is the governor is not allowed under our Constitution or any Constitution with the separation of powers provision to legislate through executive order. That's not his job. We have a separation of powers, and so he can issue executive orders that are dealing with administering existing laws, you know, and uh, providing sort of orders and organization and direction uh, within the executive branch to carry out uh, executive functions and execute the laws, but when he just kind of creates new policy and new laws on a whole cloth and remakes all of California life uh, with a stroke of a pen, that's what's not, not allowed. That's specifically what the founders of the United States Constitution uh, rejected, is this idea that one man uh, can rule a country or rule a state by decree, and that's the principle that the court vindicated in our lawsuit. That's great. Now, Kevin, I think, he, was he working off of the California Emergency Services Act, which I guess allows them in certain cases, super emergencies, to suspend the laws, so to speak? Was that his basis of authority? Yes. So he, the case was about his authority under the California Emergency Services Act, which is actually a very broad law in a lot of ways. And as you mentioned, it does specifically give him the power to suspend certain types of statutes, which is really a, a novel and extraordinary power. Uh, but Newsom, uh, Governor Newsom, not satisfied with that extraordinary power, has taken it several steps further and is not merely suspending laws, which he's done, I think hundreds of laws by this point, but is creating whole new laws. And that's what's not allowed under the Emergency Services Act or under our Constitution. Kevin, did you anticipate becoming involved in this kind of a court battle when you ran for office? No, I didn't. I thought I was kind of giving up my law career. <laughs> so. That's right. You know, one of, the, one of the most interesting things, I mean, it's interesting as a lawyer, probably frustrating as a voter, but one of the most interesting things that's come out of the pandemic is really rethinking how that structure, that balance of power, the separation of powers, all the kinds of arguments we've been having for years, and I won't even call them arguments, they're really just discussions, they're constitutional discussions. But the facet of pandemic polling and pandemic regulations and who calls the shots and when does law enforcement get involved and when laws can be suspended, that's all new. None of us were alive 100 years ago, and who knows how it was resolved back then. But on a going forward basis, do you have any plans as to 
especially given the rise in the numbers nationwide that we're seeing and the fact that many counties have backslid into the purple zone, I'll say, uh, as mm -hmm. of yesterday. Um, what plans, if any, do you have to continue to basically enforce the separation of powers? Well, that's a great question, and we are reviewing right now every single executive order the governor has issued to see which of them uh, run afoul of this ruling and the principles that it uh, affirms. And I think it's, uh, you know, quite a few of them. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it could be uh, potentially several dozen of them. Um, beyond that, there's, uh, I believe, that uh, the precedent that we have established is the basis to challenge the entire lockdown scheme the governor's come up with, this blueprint, which is what's moving us and whipsawing counties uh, from one color to the next. And indeed, uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, a new lawsuit was filed that seeks to challenge the blueprint itself on precisely this basis, based upon the separation of powers, the argument that we made in our case, and that Judge Heckman in her decision uh, affirmed. So I think that the fact that, you know, right now we see counties being moved backwards, and yes, we do see the case numbers going up, that makes it all the more important that we start doing things differently. Because the fact of the matter is that the model, this novel idea of an autocracy that Governor Newsom has imposed on the state of California has not worked out well. Our state has the third highest unemployment in the country. We've had the fifth most excess deaths of any state west of the Mississippi. We have the biggest backlog of unemployment claims. By any measure, any way you look at it, we have one of seven states with a school closure order, and so our kids are suffering more right. than anywhere. California has fared about the worst of any state in the country. And I think that if we start to go back to the way our government is supposed to work, a representative government with checks and balances, separation of powers, the opportunity for the public to be involved, then we'd fare a lot better both in terms of public health and in terms of the economy. Uh, Kevin, are the uh, that was a Superior Court case uh, decision. Is the other side, is Newsom going to appeal that decision? Do you know any uh, indication there? Yes, he did say that he was going to appeal as soon as permitted. But, you know, in a, in a sense, he's already had that opportunity. I mean, the first judge in this case ruled against him uh, in a preliminary injunction and Newsom uh, temporary restraining order and Newsom ousted him from the case. And then uh, Judge Heckman ruled against him in a tentative ruling and he asked for a stay to put that on pause. Uh, and she denied that. And so now he's lost the tentative, the final ruling. Uh, so, you know, he's already sort of uh, tried to maneuver his way out of this unsuccessfully. So he'll appeal, but we're very confident that the decision will stand because it's on solid legal ground. Uh, and the governor doesn't have much ground to stand on at all. Kevin, this is all really interesting. It's funny, you go into politics and you still have all of your legal skills intact. And you would probably make the argument it's a good thing because there's probably more where this came from as we move on. Well, we are at the end of the show, but uh, I want to say it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And thank you for all the great work you're doing in the California legislature. You know, normally we normally we say, how can people find out about you? But I don't know. Do you have a website, Kevin, or is it just sort of the... Um, they can look you up on Twitter because we, we do have your Twitter handle. We used it today. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Kevin Kiley CA, as in California, or Facebook or Instagram. I also have a, a blog that I post on. It's called Capital Quagmire. That's uh, <laughs> Q-U-A-G-M-I-R-E. <laughs> what a way to end the show. You're Capital a hero. Quagmire. I love that. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us tonight. Have a blessed week. Again, you are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. 
We will see you next Saturday, same time. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. 